0: Some of you are old enough to remember when cars didn't have seat belts, right? And even when they added them, they were... Of optional, they were really more of a suggestion than anything. So, I grew up at a time when bike helmets became a thing. One day we were riding our bikes just fine with our noggins hanging out to the world, and the next day, mom and dad said, Sorry, you got to wear a bike helmet everywhere you go. And I hated it because it looked stupid and it was embarrassing. And well, how come my friends don't have to wear bike helmets? And it was just a nuisance. And I'd ride my bike to school, and by the time I got there, like the eight pounds of hair gel that I'd slicked everything down with was all messed up, and I'd be walking around. Around all day with helmet hair, and I hated the bike helmet. The bike helmet was a burden. And it's funny how something like a seatbelt or a bike helmet could feel like a burden. Something that's made to protect us, but we immediately go, no, I don't want to do that. Don't tell me what to do. I don't want to wear that. These things are made to protect us. A seatbelt is made so that if you get hit by another car, you don't go flying through the windshield. A bike helmet is made so that if you get hit on your bike, you fall off your bike. That we're not scraping your brain off the road. And yet we feel like they're a burden. So when we read the Bible, there are some seat belts and there are some bike helmets. When we read the Bible, there are some parts where we read it and we go, Here's God making rules again. Making these arbitrary rules. He's up in the sky just drawing lines in the sand like you better do what I say. And these rules feel like burdens. But what if God's rules, all of God's commands, what if they're actually made to keep us safe? So we're jumping into this new sermon series today called Life is a Highway. And we're going to spend the summer looking at God's commands, specifically God's Ten Commandments. And when we read the Ten Commandments, they might feel like rules. We might go, all these things are a burden, these commands are rules. God is this sort of cosmic drill sergeant in the sky saying, you will do what I tell you to do or else. But I'm going to suggest to you that the Ten Commandments are are something different. That the Ten Commandments are kinda like a seatbelt. The Ten Commandments are, are kinda like a bike helmet. Or better yet, let me give you a better illustration. That the Ten Commandments are like guardrails on a highway. Guardrails that, that keep us safe. Because what God knows is that life is it's kinda like a highway. It goes up and it goes down and it has, it has turns and occasionally it has like potholes and like big ones, right? When you hit them, you look in your rearview mirror and you're afraid that you left your, your transmission somewhere behind you. It has all kinds of crazy turns and things. And God doesn't want us to go through life on this dangerous road without being protected. He wants us to be safe. So I'm gonna suggest that he gives us these commands, these 10 commandments, because he doesn't want us to put it in the ditch. He doesn't want us to go off the edge of the cliff. So he gives us guardrails. Now we can choose to feel like guardrails are sort of this restriction, that they're restricting our personal freedom, that I wanna go my own way. Who is God to tell me what to do? And we can even challenge the guardrails. We can even try and crash right through them, but they exist to keep us safe. They exist so that as we're going along on this highway and the weather changes and it takes a left turn and it takes a right turn, that we might actually be safe. Is it possible that God's word, that God's rules, His commands, are actually guardrails that, at least in part, exist? To protect us, that God is not some dictator in the sky just spouting rules, but is it possible that God is such a loving father, that He's such a good dad, that there's no way He'd let us go through life without these guardrails? You know, I think of all of God's commands. I think especially of the Ten Commandments, and I think of the way they've been misused. They've been used to to mistreat people, even the way that my goodness, we've politicized the Ten Commandments. Well, you know, if we just hang the Ten Commandments back in schools, and if we just put them back up in courthouses, then this world would be a better place. Like, really? Is that what God's rules are? That he's just this dictator who lists these rules, and if everyone would follow them, then we'd all just get along, and everything would be fine? Really? Is, is, is that it? So my hope for you is this, that this summer, as we go through the Ten Commandments, that you would lean in, that you'd lean into this series. And my hope is that on the other side of this, it's not that you would know more about the Ten Commandments. It's not that you'd have more knowledge about the Ten Commandments. I mean, we'll get to some of that stuff along the way, but my hope is this, that you would know more about the God behind the Ten Commandments. That you would know more about this God who speaks these commands. That you might even see that he's this loving father. He's this good dad who speaks these commands, who gives us these guardrails actually to keep us safe. So if you've got a Bible with you, Exodus 20 is where we're going to be. Exodus 20. And let me give you sort of a homework assignment for the week. If you've got some time, just a few minutes, pick up your Bible and do a little reading. Exodus 12 through 20. It won't take you very long, but it will set sort of the scene. It'll give you a little bit of the backstory of, hey, here's what's going on in the world when God gives us the Ten Commandments. And I have to admit that when I think of the Ten Commandments, I think of old, I think of stuffy, I think of these ancient rules I sort of imagine like Moses walking down the mountain with these big stone tablets, and there's, there's lightning, and there's thunder, and it's very serious, and it's very official, and it's, it's very for, formal, and it's, it's, almost, it's almost even a little scary. When I think of the Ten Commandments, I think the Ten Commandments have to be read out of a Bible like this. You know what I mean? One that like, you have to really crank it to open it, and like, this is God's Ten Commandments. It's got to have lots of thous and shouts and that kind of stuff, and it. it's very serious, right? But I hope that you're going to see that all of God's commands, including these old ancient laws that are thousands of years old, that maybe they came from love, that maybe God spoke them because he loves us so much and he wants us to be saved. So today I just want to talk about who's the God behind the rules. We'll get to the, the, the Ten Commandments. We're actually not even going to get to one this week. We'll get to it next week. I want to talk about who's the God behind the rules. Who's the God who's speaking these rules. So here we go. You ready? Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 1, it says this. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, So about 60 days earlier, God had rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt. This group of people, the Israelites, at this time, they're probably a few million strong. They are in Egypt. They are not home. They are down in Egypt, and they are enslaved there. See, what happens is about 400 years earlier, the Israelites faced a famine. And so a group of them went down to Egypt, because in Egypt there was food. And when they got there, honestly, for a while, life was pretty good. The pharaoh, who was king of Egypt at the time, he actually gave them favor. Like, he, he, he really liked them. He promoted them into positions of, of power and authority, and he gave them what they needed. But over time, things kind of changed, because he died, and the next pharaoh wasn't as kind. And the next pharaoh after that wasn't as kind either, and it kind of got Worse. And the days of Israel having favor from the kings, from the pharaohs, was, was over. And Israel had become slaves in Egypt. They were doing backbreaking work building the Egyptian empire. And the Egyptians were just mean to them. One day the Pharaoh decided that he was, just to be cruel, he was just going to kill Israelite babies just because he didn't like the Israelites. Just really mean stuff and so god sees his people and he puts into motion this plan that he's going to save them and the way that he's going to save them is through a series of well really miracles so he starts and he sends plagues on the earth he turns the the river into blood after that he, he covers the whole land in frogs which is just really creepy he turns the sky dark And his sort of, his last miracle is that he splits the Red Sea. He actually parts the Red Sea. And the Israelites are able to walk through it to safety. They're able to walk through on dry land to where they can be safe. And so all this has just happened. It's about 60 days later. And God speaks to his people. And it's kind of an introduction. He goes, hey, hey, it's me. I'm I'm the God who saved you. And before he even gets to any of the rules, the rules, before he gets to the Ten Commandments, before he issues his law, he introduces himself. I'm the God who saved you. Like, it's me. Before he gets to don't worship other gods and, 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 and don't murder and, and lie and cheat and steal and all that kind of stuff, he goes, hey, 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 it's, it's me. I'm the God who saved you. And I imagine it's the introduction that it's kind of like this. You ever seen a person who... You know that you know them. You're like, I, I, can't, I can't remember where or when, but I've met that person. I, I know that person. And it's the worst. They start walking towards you, and you're like, oh, no, I don't know who you are. And, and they go, hey, and you're, you're still trying to think of a name. You can't put a name with the face. And you're like, hey, guy. And that person goes, hey, it's me. It's, it's Mark. We went to high school together. And it clicks, and you go, oh, yes, Mark. Right, so good to see you. I think that's what's going on here see the israelites knew of god they had heard talk about the god of their fathers but they didn't have a relationship with him see they'd been in egypt for so long they were worshiping the egyptian gods they many of them were removed from the god of israel the god of their fathers and so they know of him but they can't put a name with the face and so god is going to reintroduce himself to them hey it's it's me Listen to it again, this, this introduction. Listen to it one more time. Again, verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So, today I just want to talk about a little bit about who this God is, just about his character. Again, before we get to the rules, before we get into the actual Ten Commandments, who is. This that is even speaking. Who is this God that's going to decree these, these Ten Commandments, this, this law? So just follow with me for a few minutes. We're going to kind of deep dive on who is this, this God that is speaking. A little bit about the character of God himself. Because the way he introduces himself, he's trying to tell us something. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So just a couple things I want to talk about. A couple things about the character of God. What's he saying? First, if you want to take some notes, take some notes. First, I think that God is saying something about his character. He's encouraging the Israelites, again, who don't really know him, right? So he's encouraging them to look back on, on sort of on what's been done. This is something that's fresh in their memory. And I think what he's telling them is this: when you have doubts, when you have doubts, Israelites. Look at my record. He's sort of sliding his resume across the table. Like, here's, here's sort of the things that I've done. Remember when you were in Egypt? I'm the God who brought you out. I rescued you. Remember when you faced a famine? I gave you food. I took you to Egypt where you'd have food. Remember when you didn't have any water, when you were wandering in the desert without any food? I gave you food. I led you, millions of you, to a spring. And he's encouraging them, remember, remember, remember when you needed to get out of Egypt, when you were so oppressed by the Pharaoh and he was, he was killing you. Remember, I parted the Red Sea so that you could, you could walk through. He's trying to remind them. He's trying to remind them of what he's done, because what God knows is this, that these Israelites, for about the next 40 years, they're going to wander in the desert, That they're not just going to wake up tomorrow and be in this place that God calls the promised land. In fact, some of them won't still be alive by the time the nation gets there. Between where Israel is now and the promised land, there are mountains, there are enemies, and there are loads of doubt. And God knows there are going to be days that these Israelites go, I don't know if we can trust him. I don't know if we can trust him anymore. I don't know if he still wants good things for us. I don't know if we should still follow him. I don't even know if he's he's still there. And God is saying, Israelites, when you doubt, I want you to look back. I want you to look back at my record. I want you to remember that I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. So maybe just, Put ourselves in the story, maybe just sort of walk into this story? Do you ever have doubts? Do you ever have those days where you go, you know, I'm I'm not sure that God is really for me right now. I'm not sure that honestly that God even really cares. I mean, maybe he's too busy, maybe he's disinterested, whatever it is. I'm just, it doesn't seem like God is all that for me. It doesn't seem like God is all that concerned about my future. You ever have days where you wonder? I mean, just you and me talking right now, you ever have days where you wonder if God's even still there? Of course we do. We, you do, I do, we all do. And God's even acknowledging that that's gonna happen. He's going, so what are you gonna do? When you have those days where you doubt, what are you going to do? For me, I look back. I remember how God has been faithful in my life. I look back and I see the things that God has done. I look back and I go, okay, God has brought me this far. I look back and I'm reminded even of times where I was struggling and I start to think through that stuff. It's like God going, remember that time you weren't sure how you were going to pay the bills and I provided for you? You remember that time that you were so lonely and I comforted you? Do you remember that time that you were sick do you remember that time that, that you were depressed? And the more that we do this and the more that we go back and we remember all the things that God has done. See, I've been leaning on this stuff right now. I've been, I've been found myself leaning on God's track record lately because, you know, it's weird. We're in the middle of this pandemic and we're all experiencing the same stuff. We're like, what in the heck is going on? And we're asking questions, each of us, like, how do I keep myself and my family safe? What's the future even going to look like? How do I provide for my family? I mean, maybe it's just me, but I've really found myself leaning on past experience, knowing that God has been faithful, knowing that God has gotten me through so many things. I've really, in the midst of that, it's almost like I've heard God saying, like, you know, I've seen illness before and I've walked through it with my people. In the midst of, cultural division and racial injustice and I'm just trying to get my mind around it. I'm going, God, I don't even know what to do and it, it causes angst. And I don't know what the future looks like. It's like I, I'm hearing God go, you know, I've seen division before. I've seen ethnic inequality before. Remember the Israelites? Remember what was going on when they were in Egypt? I mean, we have this God who goes, everything that you will encounter yeah, I've, okay, I've been there. And I've walked through to the other side. Everything that you're going to come upon, I've been through it before. So, King David, when he's writing in the Psalms, I love this. He says, May I never forget the good things that he's done for me. I mean, when we look back, can't that give us some level of comfort? And I just for me it's such a shift it's such a change from thinking of God as cosmic ruler who sits on high who decrees his order who sits on the throne and he goes don't do this and don't do this and don't do this and don't do this and don't do this no, no. He's God he's this God who he has a perfect track record He has a perfect track record of walking with his people and God is so gentle and he's so patient with us that he goes when you doubt don't don't run and hide don't fear me when you doubt look back at my track record sort of put it put my record to the test because this is who i am i'm the god who rescues i'm the god who delivers his people from egypt i'm the god who brings his people out of the worst situations they could imagine you know i I even, I think of this word and the way that this is said, and you go back to the text for a minute, just go back there and there's this word there, this word slavery. And it's kind of a cringe word, right? Especially like, let's just be honest, right now, any word that has sort of racial baggage with it, that there's a history with, like it's, it makes us cringe. And for some of us, even at the, the mention of that word, it makes us uncomfortable or it makes us angry or it brings angst to us. But isn't that the point? Because... Like slavery is awful. It's, it's dehumanizing. It, it literally makes people like non-human. It makes them possession. But God goes, look, I have a history of rescuing my people from slavery, of rescuing my people from the very worst situation that you could imagine. So even someone who maybe is stuck in slavery today, I think about people, maybe you go, there's, there's you know, there's no slavery. Yes, yes, there is. There's people, there's human trafficking. There's people being trafficked all over the world right now. And, and so I think of this and you go, well, what would you say to that person who's living in slavery right now? What would you say to them? I guess I'd say this. I'd say that God has a track record of rescuing his people. God has a record of delivering his people and even even if you haven't seen it yet, God. God is a deliverer. In fact, like, let's let's just make sure, like, let's stay there for a second. Let's make sure we really hear that. Because maybe you could hear this and you would think, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. this is all pie in the sky. this guy. This brad guy, he has like this perfect life, and he doesn't even know the slavery that I'm in and what conditions I'm living under. I'm I'm living in this. Uh, abusive relationship and I can't get out and I don't know how to get out and I don't know what to do. And and so maybe you're going like, hey, I'm still in my Egypt. I haven't been rescued yet. I haven't been delivered. What do you say to me? And I guess all I can say is hang on because God has a track record of delivering us. God has a track record of, of rescuing us, of getting us to the other side. I guess I'd say what Jeremiah writes in the book of Lamentations amidst just frustration and agony. He says, God, your mercies are new every day. Great, great is your faithfulness. I mean, again, isn't it incredible that, that God sets up the Ten Commandments like this, these stuffy, ancient laws, these things that are like, we're not even supposed, we're not even sure we're supposed to follow these anymore. We got Jesus now. We don't need this anymore, right? Like these ancient laws that seem so stoic, so formal. Maybe it turns out they're spoken in love. Maybe it's God who goes like, you know me. I've walked with you. I've been there Right by your side. You, you, you know me. Every day of your life I've been with you, walking with you. Even when you strayed. You tried to get away from me. But I was with you. Even when you thought you were abandoned. Even when you were slaves in Egypt. He says, I was there. Maybe, is it possible that God actually wants good things for us? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll find out this summer that these, these rules, these big scary commands, they're actually... Spoken in love. They're actually for us to keep us safe. But keep going. Keep going. me. Back to the text. One more thing that I think we learn about the God that is behind these commands. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I mean, just listen to that first part. And honestly, I thought, I thought God made a mistake. Because God says, I am the Lord your God. Why doesn't he say was? Like what he's talking about, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. It already happened 60 days earlier. It it had already happened. Past tense. I was the Lord your God. It would make sense to me. I mean, we say like, okay, I was the one who ate the last cookie. Or we might say like, hey, I was the one who thought of that idea. Was. I was the Lord your God. No, no. He says am. Why does he say I am? The Lord's your God. Circle that in your Bible. And I think it's pretty simple. I think he's trying to tell us something. I think God is saying that even now, that God is God right now. That it's not enough for God just to go, look at the things I've done. Go Look back and see the things that I've done. God says, no, no. He doesn't just rest on those things. He says, right now, I continue to work. God is God right now. God is as much deliverer right now as he was to those Israelites in Egypt. God is as much strength right now in this moment as he was for David when he stood in front of a giant. God is as much comforter right now to you and to me as he was when he wept with Lazarus' sisters when Lazarus died. God is as much power Right now, as he was when he shut the mouths of lions. God is as much healer right now as he was for the leper in Capernaum. God is God right now. God is as much savior. He is as much redeemer right now as he was when he rolled the stone away to reveal an empty tomb. Oh, oh, how I want you to get this, that God is not merely God in the pages of Scripture, but he is God right now. That God did not complete his work and close it up and say, I'm done here. God does not sit back and look at his trophy case, like look at everything I've done, but God continues to write a story. God continues to work. He's not done. His his great works didn't end with the pages of Scripture. He is God today, and He is writing a story in your life and mine of great things. He is not done. He is God in this moment. He is God right now. He is not done with His incredible work. I was the Lord your God? No, I am the Lord your God. And it is incredible to me that that would be the setup to these Ten Commandments, that that would be God's introduction to these things that we've considered relics, that we've kind of put them out to pasture, like they're just things that should hang on the wall in every courthouse or in a school. He goes, no, no, no. Here's the introduction. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Before we get to the rules, before we get to the laws, I want to tell you something. I'm your God, and I was there to bring you out of Egypt, and I'm there with you right now. When you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, I'm right there with you. When you're so lonely, you can't stand it. I'm right there. When you're sick, I'm sitting at the bedside next to you. When you're depressed, when you're broken, I'm sitting there. I'm weeping with you. This is God. It's just seeping with love. And next week, we're going to get to the Ten Commandments, but maybe today for you, it's just to be reminded that God is, is still god now the same god who brought these israelites out of egypt is god today that same god is on the throne I'll get you out of here in just a second i want to push on you just a little bit because we've heard from god sort of his side of this that he, okay i want to have a relationship with you before i even give you any laws i want to be able to i want to be able to have a relationship with you. I mean, maybe as you walk into the Ten Commandments, you're going to, do, do these even still apply to that? I would say, would say yes, but it's rooted in love and it's rooted in relationship. God wants to have relationship with us. And so he lovingly gives us these commands to protect us. But a relationship is two-sided. So what's our part? What's our part in this? Well, I think the Bible tells us, 1 John 5, it says, in fact, this is love for God. So God loves us by protecting us, giving, these, giving us these guardrails. How do we show him love? This is love for God to keep his commands. It says that we love him by keeping his commands. And so I just say that what God wants from us is obedience. That he's going to lay out these guardrails, but and he wants us to stay inside of them, but it's not because he's mean. It's not because he's a dictator. He wants us to be obedient out of love, and he wants to keep us safe. In fact, you know, we call it God's law. The Ten Commandments, we call it God's law, but even the word law in Hebrew, it's the word Torah. It, it, it means it's the word for the loving instruction that a parent gives to a child. So not mean, not scary, guardrails. So let me just put this challenge in front of you, something to chew on, to think about, something that you're going to have to wrestle with as we march through these commandments. Search your heart over this. Will I follow God's guardrails? See, there are going to be times in your life where you want to drift away from what God said. There might be some times in your life where you just want to make a complete turn. Will you challenge Guardrails? Will you just try and crash through them? I mean, there are times when adultery is going to seem like a lot more fun than fidelity. Will you challenge the guardrail? There are times when lying is going to seem like the easiest way out of something. Are you going to challenge God's guardrails? There are there are these times when it's going to seem like, okay, God, I hear the command, but my mother and father aren't worthy of my respect. They're not worthy of my honor. So are you going to trust God, or are you going to challenge the guardrail? And That's going to be some of our journey as we march through this series. Here's the good news, is that if we crash through, if we go flying over the cliff, if we put this thing in the ditch, and maybe right now you're like, my, I've put life in the ditch. I've crashed through the guardrails that God has given me. Here's the good news. There's this guy named Jesus. And he wants to pick you up out of the ditch. And he wants to put you back on the road. And he wants to get you headed in the right direction down this highway. My hope for you this summer is that you'll hang out with us. It's that you will explore these Ten Commandments with us. And maybe on the other side, you'll have a clearer picture of who this God is. This God who says, you know, I've been there with you. I've been walking with you through your darkest days. I saw you through to the other side. But he says, I'm not done because I'm still God and I'm still with you right now. Let's pray. God, I, Father, I thank you that You're not some God who sits up on his throne and dictates these difficult decrees and laws to us. That you're this God who says, I want good things for you. In fact, I want you to be safe. I'm gonna lay out this roadmap for you so that you'll be safe on your journey. And even God that before that, before you, set these, these rules, these commands into motion, you, you tell us who you are, and you say, I am the Lord your God. Not I was the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Help us today to believe that your goodness and your incredible works and who you are are not anything that is confined only to the pages of Scripture. But God, you are active right now in our lives. And who you were in the pages of the Bible is who you are today. The God on high who is good, who is a loving Father, who asks us to just call him Dad. Help us to believe that you're with us today. God, as we journey through these commandments, any preconceived notions that we have that we see you as a rulemaker, as a dictator. God, would you break those down? And would you give us eyes and a heart to see fresh? Maybe we've been walking with you for years, but these next couple months are a time where we will catch a fresh glimpse and experience your love in a new way. God, thanks for journeying with us. Thanks that you didn't stay far and distant, but you walked right into this mess with us. Jesus, thank you for walking right into this life with us. And thank you for losing your life so that we could have life. It's in your resurrected name we pray. Amen.